I'm going to read a brief passage that John Wesley wrote. Since we are a Wesleyan tradition, in the year 1725, okay, a couple of years ago, right? He talks about meeting with uh, Bishop Taylor, some other spiritual books that he was uh, reading. And he says, Instantly, I resolve to dedicate all my life to God, all my thoughts and words and actions, being thoroughly convinced there was no medium. And I, and I, and I think that's an 18th century way of saying in-between place, right? No middle of the road, loosely translated. But that every part of my life, and then in parentheses he puts, not some only, must either be, he puts it either or here, sounds like Kierkegaard, must either be a sacrifice to God or myself. Hmm. Pretty interesting. That is, in effect, to the devil. So he's saying a sacrifice to himself is a sacrifice to the devil. Can any serious person doubt of this or find a medium between serving God and serving the devil? A little bit of our history that sometimes I think we've forgotten. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah, the 49th chapter. Consider the word of the Lord. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you people from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant, to rise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach 
to the end of the earth. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this day and everything. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Well, in this passage of Isaiah, like many passages in the Bible, could be read in several ways. Is Isaiah talking about Jesus? Is he talking about Israel as a nation? Is he talking about us, the people that come later? I mean, after all, we're the body of Christ, so if he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about us too. So I think the answer is yes, all three. The first thing he says that we ought to do is pay attention, right? Pay attention. It's an interesting way to start things out, but I think, again, we we are pretty close to the beginning of a year, somewhat 19 days into it. Is that right? Today, the 19th. So, uh, some 19 days into the beginning of a new year. And I might add, I don't say this in a, in a morbid way, but just as a, uh, perhaps maybe for some of us, a wake-up call. This is the 19th day of January, and I have already officiated at three funerals. Just something to think about. What should we pay attention to? The first thing I think we ought to pay attention to, of course, is the beautiful creation that's all around us that God made for us to live in and to enjoy. You know, as I I said earlier, you know, again this morning, you can see the stars. I love, I love watching. I love looking at the stars and and the planets, and, and I always have. But I also like looking at the rocks and the trees and listening to the birds and watching the squirrels and, and everything else that's out there. You know, in the, and in the first chapter of Romans, it tells us that even those people who say they don't think about God that much or maybe even believe in God can see around us from the creation that there is a creator, there is a God. Then I think we need to pay attention to the people around us, all the people around us, whether they're our friends or our family or whoever they are. We need to pay attention to them. It's vitally, vitally important so we know what's going on with those around us. And then, of course, more than the other two, We need to pay attention to Jesus. We need to pay attention to what he did, how he lived, what he told us to do and be, really be his followers, you know? If you really follow someone, then you do what they demonstrated and what they told you to do. Now, paying attention is the first part that Isaiah talks about there, about what? His servant, his servant. See, that's our purpose. Our purpose is to be 
servants, servants who pay attention. And through paying attention, we realize the things that we ought to be in service to. Again, we, we know that Jesus came to be a servant. Again, as, as, as I mentioned, sort of, I sort of slid by it. This part of Isaiah and a couple of other chapters are sometimes referred to as the servant song in reference to Jesus, who, as Mark 10.45 tells us what? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And what? To give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. And as we said in the call to worship, and I had us say uh, when we greeted each other first thing this morning, the life, the life was the light of the, of the nations, of all the people. That's what it says there in the first chapter of John, the life. And that's what servants do. They demonstrate life. They lead people to life or as the end part there says, to bring salvation, to bring salvation to all the nations of the world. That's a pretty awesome responsibility that God has charged us with, that God has charged all of us with, to bring salvation to all the nations of the world. You know, sometimes I think, sometimes I think we are anemic at it because we've got a poor definition of salvation. I think we have a poor definition of salvation. And I challenge all of you, I challenge all of you to think about how you really feel about salvation and what, is, what it is. I believe a lot of people, and I, and I don't say this in a pejorative manner, but I just, I just believe, I believe it's because a weak gospel, I guess, has been proclaimed a lot of times, and particularly, I would say, in the latter half of the 20th century, of which I think everybody in here got to take part in right now. All the munchkins have gone to a children's church and whatnot. Pretty much everybody in here participated in a good portion of the last part of the last century, and it's sort of like a fun fair on an airline, right? You know, you get to check two bags and you get a ticket to go someplace. I think many people think salvation is my sins have been forgiven and when I die, my ticket's punched so I can go to heaven, right? That's a pretty weak definition of salvation, I believe. Salvation is, in, in, in one word, in one word, Salvation is life, and it's about the life we live now. Salvation is about participating in the life that Jesus is taking part in, is doing right now to bring the kingdom of God here and to participate in the kingdom of God. Did you notice in that passage that Carl read out of the last part of John there, starting there you know, at verse 29 in John chapter 1, Starting there at verse 29, when John the Baptist looks up and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he goes on and he elaborates and he says, What? He says, I baptize with water. 
I baptize with water, but somebody's coming after me who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll just put this out there for your consideration. What good is the Holy Spirit if it's not helping you in your life right now? Right? I don't think there's anything in the Bible that says you get baptized with the Holy Spirit after you die. Right? So you'll have a good time in heaven. No. It's about life right now. And when we look around us, when we look around us in the world, and sometimes we don't have to look too far. Maybe we can look around us right here in our congregation, in our families. There are people who aren't really living, who really don't have life in their lives, if you will. But we, we have it. We have it through Jesus. We have it through Jesus, and we have the ability to share that with other people. When it says we are to be the light to the nations, again, I take us back to John chapter 1. It's talking about the Word becoming flesh and the flesh dwelling among us. The life was the light of all people. You see, if you have a Spirit-filled, Spirit-anointed life, that God intends us to live, like Jesus said what? He said what? I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, more abundantly. John 10, 10. That's what Jesus said, that we'd have life. And he says, the thief comes to do what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. So if it's killing you, if it's stealing from you, if it's destroying from you, it's not life, and it's not from God. It's not from God. That's not where it's coming from. We know that. We're charged with that. So the good news is all of us have a purpose. Each and every one of us has a purpose. And our purpose is to be servants who pay attention and bring life to the world. Amen?